The Woj Pod is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Baseball is back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch the best of the bigs all season on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com slash baseball. And with the NFL draft just days away, don't forget to check out First Draft with Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Woj Pod. Here with Julius Randle of the New York Knicks, Eastern Conference All-Star this week, Player of the Week in the Eastern Conference, and now Mayor of New York City. Julius, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How you doing, my man? <laughs> I'm great. Not not as well as you. Let, let, let's start here. Eight straight wins for the Knicks. Fourth place all alone in the in, in the East. Uh, last night, we're taping this on Thursday, and you have another monster game in the Garden against Atlanta. Put up 40, almost a triple-double uh, overtime win. What is it like to be Julius Randle in New York City right now? <laughs> uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, you definitely, I mean, you know, the garden everywhere, but the garden specifically, you know, those are one of, that's one of the places that, you know, you always look forward to playing at. Uh, luckily for me, I get to do it on a living uh, on a daily basis, but uh, it's limited as far as, you know, fans and, and everything, but uh, we're definitely not feeling a lack of energy on a night to night basis. Um, just playing in the garden, uh, playing period for the Knicks. Uh, you know, there's definitely a buzz and an energy um, around the city and around our team. And uh, we're enjoying it and enjoying every moment of it. 2,000 fans in the garden last night. What is – you've been in there when it's been full. You've been in there when it's been full and angry. You've been yeah. in there when it's full and cheering. Right. What does 2,000 cheering feel like with a big win? Like, do you feel it? It sounds sounds packed, man. I'm not gonna lie, it's crazy. Like, I don't know if it's the sound effects. I know it's the fans. The fans are going nuts, but like, it literally sounds like a full packed out arena. Um, you ask, I don't know if you you know anybody that's 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 been there, but it, it literally is nuts, man. Like, and all of our games are like really close, so like the intensity and um from the fans and stuff, you feel it the whole game. So it, it definitely sounds like a sold out arena right now especially coming out of the pandemic and we're, we're still in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just went and tested before we um, started taping here. I mean, you're still dealing with it, but it feels like sort of as the Knicks in New York are, are starting to break out and, and emerge and what you've done. And now there's fans in the building. And I imagine you can go out a little more and people can see you. It wasn't necessarily like that in the winter. Does it feel like, you're starting to you can start to feel the city a little bit, despite maybe how limited you, you, you're moving around yet. Absolutely. You know, obviously it's limited, but, um, you know, I was earlier today, I was actually in the city and, you know, just just taking a walk. Me and my wife just taking a walk. And uh, I mean, it's just crazy the amount of people that come up to you uh, and really, you know, they're fans, but they're really just showing their appreciation. Um, and it just lets me know how much Knicks basketball means to you know, the people of New York, you know, they're coming up to you saying, man, we really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, thank you so much. Like they're thankful, like <laughs> honestly, and, it, and it's crazy, man. It's a crazy feeling because, um, 
you know, that you have as far as, you know, a basketball team or, or a player, you have that much impact on uh, people's daily happiness, I guess you could say, uh, because they care about Knicks basketball so much. So uh, it's definitely a cool feeling for sure. Where were you walking in the city? So uh, I was in the Upper West Side and then um, I was in the Upper West Side. And then where was I at? Uh, I was kind of like in Manhattan a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was in Manhattan a little bit. I took my son to the Disney store and all that stuff. So you're feeling it from Nick fans. And you you knew this when you came here. This is a place, New York is a place that's um obviously people love this team and Knicks fans are everywhere. You can I'm sure you can be in LA, you can be anywhere. There's transplanted Knicks fans all over uh the country. Um but but it's funny you should say it's a lot of thank you, right? It's like just that the team's relevant again and, and what you're doing. I mean, it's um, it's a fan base, I think, given how big it is. And you know this, the Nets, people could be talking about the Nets nationally and with KD and Kyrie and James Harden, like it's a team that people talk about all over the league. Mm-hmm. But in New York, they talk about good or bad, they're talking about the Knicks. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh you know, that's like you says, um, I know that because I mean, when I, you know, two years ago, two summers ago, when I signed up, uh, you know, to play for the Knicks, I had other choices and stuff. But um, for me, I wanted that experience, um, you know, coming from uh, I got to see both sides of, of markets as far as like being in L.A., uh, experiencing that market and going to New Orleans um, and experiencing that market. And I enjoy both. Uh, but for me, I wanted to to be in the big market and really experience um that and you know the Knicks they weren't you know it wasn't a good team um obviously when I got here and uh, I just kind of wanted to be a part of rebuilding that you know establishing a culture here and uh the fans really appreciate you know appreciate that guys who come every night they bring their hard hat they work hard um they play hard and they play as a team so uh, they're loving it for sure I want to go back to that when you signed in New York June 30th 2019 you know, there was this hope in New York, the Knicks, that they could get KD, that they could get Kyrie Irving. Um, there was even this fleeting hope or, or maybe even Kawhi. And I think as it got closer to July 1st, June 30th, it was looking less so. I, I can't imagine when you think back to that night and the Knicks signed a few free agents with you, like that you heard the word savior anywhere. Like, hey, we've got our savior. Did you hear that anywhere? Absolutely. What were you hearing that night? No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, talking to my agent, Aaron, that was one of the things that, you know, we had talked about. Um, We were like, you know, be prepared. Like, you know, they're not going to get those guys. Uh, You're signing there. Be prepared for what's about to come with that. Um, And, you know, obviously the whole perception was disappointed. You know, they didn't sign the guys that – that they obviously thought that they were going to sign. Uh, but for me, um, I loved it, you know, because I knew the challenge that I was taking on uh, from the very beginning. And I knew it wasn't going to be easy. You're building something from the ground up. I know it's not going to be easy. But um, for me, mentally, um, I know how I work. I know I prepare myself. And uh, I knew I would be, you know, prepared and ready for the challenge or whatever it was. I, I thought it was interesting. You, you mentioned your, your your agent, Aaron Mintz, and, uh, in your contract, and Bobby Marks was tweeting about this the other night. You know, you've got a couple bonuses in there that you put in right at the beginning. One for uh, one for making the All Star team. You've hit that one, mm-hmm. but the other was for 
about a million dollars for making the playoffs, mm-hmm. which that, that team was a long way from the playoffs when you walked in the door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those, those are uh, two of the, two of the bonuses. Uh, so like you said, we hit one, we need the other one too. <laughs> well, you're, 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 you're right there. And w- when you think about your career, Julius, and, getting drafted into LA when that franchise was, was down. Kobe was at the end and it was you and D'Angelo Russell were the two young lottery picks that were there that were going to be the center of that team. And you went through hard times there. You go on to new Orleans, but this year with this team and sort of connecting with Tom Thibodeau, does it feel to you like right time, right place, right coach for you? Uh, absolutely. Um, a lot of things uh, came into, uh, came like full circle, honestly, Woj. I won't lie to you because um, like last year was definitely, um, I knew the challenge I was accepting, but still, man, like things hit you from all different kind of places um, that you're not always going to be prepared for. Um and that's that's kind of what happened to me. Um, you know, I, I worked I worked my butt off. I was I was ready for it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, when you're not winning and you're not playing your best basketball, it's, it's tough. And uh, always go back. <laughs> like when I say things come full circle, it's really crazy because uh, I always go back. It was one night I was going through it, man. I was really upset. This is really started the beginning of the season. I was really upset. And um I'm at the restaurant. Uh, my agent, Aaron, Aaron, um, he actually called me. He was like, man, I'm coming down there to see you. Um, and I don't even really like calling on my agent, man, because it's really like family, like how we operate. Uh, but he's like, I'm coming down there to see you. Uh, so he comes down there to see me. It's me. It's uh, Elford, because this is his other client. Um, it's him. Uh, Kenny Payne, because Kentucky <laughs> was playing uh, in New York during that time. We're at Scalinatella. It's Leon and it's Wes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like this is like in November or December. So this is how crazy it is. So we're talking. We're at the restaurant. Like they see I'm down. They're trying to pick me up. They see I'm down. They're trying to talk to me. Like, what is it that you see? What is it that you that you're feeling? What do you see on the court? What is, what's going on? So I'm telling them, telling them all the things like I'm complaining. They're probably like, man, what's wrong with this dude? Like, you know, I'm telling them everything I don't like, you know, what I mean, and, and what's what's really bothering me. And, uh, you know, Wes really took it to heart <laughs> and fast forward six, seven, eight months later, they really took it to heart and they came <laughs> and it's kind of like they saved me, honestly, in a sense, because Leon took the job and not too far along, Wes took the job with them and, uh, Wes called me. He's like, yo, what do you need? What do you need to be an all-star? What do you need to, to lead this team? And, uh, one of the things I told him was I, I really, uh, you know, I need coach. I need a coach to hold me accountable. I need a coach to push me. Um, so Tibbs comes in the picture. Then they bring KP along, who was at the dinner as well. And uh, it's really, it's like I said, it really just comes full circle because, you know, a year ago at the start of the season, like, you know, it was tough. And now, you know, you bring in it. A lot of things, you know, in the league are about situation. They're about opportunity and all that type of stuff. And all this stuff really kind of for me came together as far as coaching uh, opportunity, uh, the team and what everybody else is doing, how we believe in each other, how Tibbs has everybody buying in. So uh, 
you know, it's great, man. When you say, I want a coach to hold me accountable, what, what does that mean to you, Julius? For me, it's about winning. Um, so, you know, you uh, as players, you know, in the league, you get a lot of freedom, man, um, you know, under certain situations. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I did last summer when the season was over, I looked at all my tape. You know, I, I didn't want to, uh, but I looked at my tape. And a lot of things you realize, like you look at, you're like you're getting away with certain things that, you shouldn't be getting away with or you're not maybe being coached the way that you should be as far as like pushing me, you know what I mean? Um, and, and that's what I told Leon. And that's what I told Wes. Like I want a coach who's really going to hold us all accountable for, you know, every night that we step out there on the court, that winning is the most important thing. And uh, that's really what this team is about. Like uh, no matter what's going on throughout the season, you know, guys down from injury, uh, you know, the schedule's tough. Whatever it is, like whatever's thrown, thrown at us, we always say find a way to win. And that's really what it's about for us. It's about finding a way to win. So, um, you know, I just wanted a coach that was going to push us and hold us accountable that winning's the first thing and no other no other agendas. Because we know that, like in this league, when you win, everything goes up. Everybody's value goes up. Everybody looks better when you're winning. So uh, that's really what I, what I was really wanting. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, it's funny when people talk about Tom Thibodeau and the guys who have really liked playing for him and have gotten a lot out of it. They're guys like you, workers, team oriented, um, guys who put in the time. And, uh, you know, Derek Rose comes in and Taj Gibson come in, who've been with Tom like at multiple stops. They're like, I don't know if Bill Parcells in football would have these guys who follow him and play for him and all these different places. And right. they're sort of like that with Tibbs. Is that what you found right away that you're more alike than maybe even you knew? Cause I know you're coming back to the facility at night mm-hmm. and to shoot. And then you look up and right, you know, the lights on in his office, you know, he hasn't <laughs> left. Right. I'm sure there's been a few of those nights. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I really think that's kind of where me and Tibbs really like, uh, from the very beginning, hit it off at like, um, you know, I came in uh, a couple times throughout the summer and uh, I think he just kind of saw how serious I was about my craft. And uh, I know that's how he is. He's very serious about his craft. Uh, like you said, he's in there late at night. Um, I go in the gym um, at night and his light is still on. Dude's in there looking at film, taking down notes or whatever it is. Like he loves basketball. And uh, I think he really saw that about me. Is like I, I'm serious about the game of basketball. I love basketball. I want to get better. I want to improve. Uh, I want to be coached. And uh, you know, like you said, those those are the type of guys that have really uh, thrived on him. You know, the Derrick Rose, the Todd Gibsons, the Luol Dangs, um, the Jimmy Butlers. Uh, those guys have thrived under you know Tibbs because you know one thing is always going to be in common, like dudes who love to work. You were only an all-star this year, Julius. People now are talking about all NBA mm-hmm. and everyone from 
Jeff Van Gundy to Stephen A. Smith are talking about you as MVP, an MVP candidate, uh, somebody that would be on their MVP ballot somewhere. Mm-hmm. Did you think that was still out there for you in the NBA? Um, six years, you know, six years, um, six, seven years into it, that that was still available to you um, by putting the work in and finding the right situation. Do, do you give up on that idea at some point or do you always keep chasing that? Uh, for me, I always keep chasing. I'm not going to give up uh, necessarily, um, but I'm not going to let that uh, necessarily be what drives me. Uh in a sense, um, for me, it's always about uh, like I love the summertime. That's really like my favorite time of the year. Like I love the season um, seasons where you see the results of everything. Uh, but for me, the summertime was what I love because it's about for me, it's about improvement uh, from year to year. Um, I want to keep getting better, keep improving, uh, keep trying to perfect my craft. Uh, so that's really what it's about for me. And I know if I continue to do that, those things come along uh, with it. And like I said uh, earlier, it's really about opportunity and situation. And uh, that's what, you know, this year has really presented for me. You know, I've had um, years of learning, years of growth throughout the years. Um, But for me, the the opportunity and situation under Tibbs uh, with KP here and all our other coaches, uh, with Leon and and Wes, you know, leading us from management situation, it's a it's a situation where you come in every day and you you're happy to go to work like you're happy to see the guys you're happy to play basketball like it's exciting um, and that's how it should be so uh, for me you know like you said I, obviously I knew I had the talent to to be you know um, in consideration for those things or to be an all star uh, but you know some people's races are are different you know so for me it's just about the mental toughness uh, the mental strength of, of just staying with it just keep improving and, and you know things that come around Julius is it harder to be on a bad team in LA with the Lakers or in New York New York <sighs> not even going <laughs> not even going to second guess it New York New York is way harder why harder uh I mean, it's more media out here, obviously. Um, you know, the Knicks are really the center of attention of everything in the city. Uh, you know, it's crazy because like we're in the we're in the middle of the city, so we're in tension of everything in the city. Like, um, so we're really not competing with anybody, I guess, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got the Giants, you got the Nets, and you got those, but like New Yorkers really love Knicks basketball. Um, in LA, they really love basketball as well, um, and they're very, Lakers fans are really passionate. Uh, but I would say during that time, for one, they weren't coming off a of, like <laughs> they were coming off a championship not too long ago when I got there. Uh, when was the last one in twenty ten? I got there mm-hmm. in twenty fourteen, so they were a little more accepting of a rebuild uh, there. Um, also, my first two years, I was with Kobe. Uh, so it was kind of like my last year with Kobe was just a celebration of his career. Uh, so they weren't really expecting us to win in a sense um, there. And they knew that we were going through a rebuild with a bunch of young guys and stuff like that. Uh, but they were still really passionate and loved the game and the games were sold out. The energy was still crazy in the arena every night. But I think they were a little bit more accepted during that time of like a rebuild uh, because they just won two championships four years ago. Would, would Nick fans be like less hesitant 
to come up to you on the street and tell you their opinions when it's not going well? In L.A., I think maybe there's less of that. I would say they just didn't really bother me. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I didn't really want to go anywhere. (laughs) So, you know, I was more, you know, cooped up in the house. Like, I didn't really want to go anywhere. I wasn't having fun. Like, winnings, I mean, losing is not fun. So I wasn't having fun. So, uh, you know, um, they they would tell me like like now I say in a sense they'll be like yeah man last year like I was tripping last year you were tripping bro like I don't know what was going on last year like they'll tell me like out here in New York for sure but they're like man you're killing it now like we love you blah 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 so like it's cool <laughs> I'd rather you be straight up with me anyway I don't care <laughs> Julius when you were you were in Dallas in the off season it's a long off season from when the Knicks season ended until you come back for the start of training camp. And there was like this forgotten group of teams that just, they weren't in the bubble. They got left behind. The season went on without them. And I was your workout guy, Tyler Ralph, who you've been with um, for years, really since the beginning of your pro career, your college career. It was telling me that you would sit and watch those games in the bubble when you'd be in Dallas. And he said he could see smoke coming out of your ears. Like you were, it bothered you. To not yeah. be in there. Why? Um, just as a competitor. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, I love competition. I love to compete. And uh, I just, um, I think it was a lot of things um, that were bothering me. I feel like, I said it before, I feel like I let the team down. Um, I feel like I wasn't the best leader, not because I was selfish or in a sense or whatever it was. Like, I just felt like I didn't play my best basketball last year. Um, and, uh from that standpoint, I feel like I let the team down. Um, and I just wanted to compete, like to see other guys go in a bubble and compete uh, for something and, you know, for your team to not be good enough, I guess, in a sense, uh, to be there. It, you know, it's not a great feeling, but uh, it was definitely fuel and motivation for, you know, throughout the whole lockdown and quarantine and in the summer. Things changed for you in the summer, in the gym this summer, last summer. Your ability to shoot from the perimeter, shoot from beyond the arc, I mean, it's transformed everything mm-hmm. for you. And and what you're doing offensively, you know, this eight-game winning streak, you're averaging 30 points a game on this. You've made a jump in three-point shooting that's pretty historic from um, up over 40%. And and just – the the and doing it on, on both ends of the court, how much – did you feel that adding that to your game was going to that it had, it was going to maybe give you an opportunity now to take your game to another level to be able to have the offense go through you? Um, mm-hmm. Was that a lot of the thought this summer? Uh, yeah, I was very specific on uh, on what I wanted to improve on. Um, you know, obviously, I grew up around uh, idolizing Kobe and then playing with him. Um, was a big thing. And then um, I think the other thing, too, was I really watched a lot of uh, Kawhi and, you know, his championship run uh, with Toronto. And for me, watching that, uh, it helped me learn, like, you know, what I really wanted to be specific about as far as uh, being able to get to spots on the court, um, you know, because last year was a big learning experience for me. Like, I can't just bully to the rim every time. Um and, you know, it's not going to be I can just shoot threes or just bully to the rim. You know, I had to have some type of in-between game. 
uh, to where defenses load up on me and it's still fine. Like I can get to my spots, I can rise, uh, I can use my skill, my footwork, uh, my speed or whatever it is uh, to get to places on the court to where even if it's not the rim, um, you know, I'm very comfortable taking shots um, in certain areas or, or whatever it is. So uh, for me, it was really about that. Um, so I watched, you know, a lot of Kobe and his footwork and, and how he was able to get to spots um, and other guys as well, Melo, uh, a bunch of guys. Uh, so for me, it was very specific about that. And then um, just improving as a shooter, um, you know, I was very, um, you know, um, I had a, a certain level of focus on attention to detail as far as how I wanted to prove as a shooter um, with my footwork and everything. So uh, it was a little bit of a little bit of everything, but I was very specific, I would say, of, of what I wanted to improve on. Just when you got back to camp and camp starts mm. and Tom Thibodeau starts to see the coaching staff or front office starts to see where you've made improvements. Did you think, did you get a sense that what Tibbs thought he could do with you or what the freedom he could allow or the role he could give you? Did you sense that it changed fairly quickly when he saw this was not the guy that I watched on tape from last year that there's dramatic change? Do you, do you remember having any of those conversations early on with him? Yeah, it definitely changed. Um, it definitely changed. Uh, I think, one, like I said, when I came there, uh, I was in great shape and he saw how serious I was about my craft. Uh, so we obviously hit it off then. And then uh, just as training camp went along in the season, honestly, early in the season went along, uh, you know, I really just could sense the belief that he had in me as a player um, and, you know, kind of how he was empowering me. And um, for me, that was huge. Uh, because, you know, with a player and a coach, trust is everything. And uh, I could just really tell that he trusted me to to really lead this team. And uh, for me, I just didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to let my guys down. Um, and that just kind of took my, my confidence and my mental was already great. Uh, but just that, you know, kind of that check mark uh, from him was uh, as the season went along, as training camp went along, and then the season, early in the season, uh, just kind of took off. And, you know, I wasn't looking back from there. Was that the first time you felt that from a coach or from an organization in the NBA? At that level, yeah. At that level, yeah. From uh, from top to bottom, honestly, not even just from tips. From from uh, from Leon and Wes, uh, just the the encouragement and the calls that I got throughout the summer, um, and the belief, um, and then you know being able because they knew me before this, and then uh, being able to to really establish that relationship with Tibbs. Uh, you know, I was just really, really comfortable, man. And then having, you know, KP there, I was, I was just really comfortable. So, uh, you know, having guys who know you or, or know what you're about is, um, is key, man. Trust is everything. The one thing when you talk to people around the Knicks that they've loved about your team and your group is that it's a team they describe as a, that wants to get better every day, comes to the gym hungry to be better. And you've seen, and you're seeing the growth. Is that what it's felt like being a part of it? Absolutely. Uh, guys want to improve. Um, even like days like today, you know, Tibbs has a blackout day. Guys are supposed to not be allowed in the facility to work out. Uh, but guys like Quick and RJ, uh, you know, Kev, guys hit me up like, 
you know, we going in anyway. Like they want to get better. And um, that's really what it's about. Like you got a group of guys who are hungry to get better, uh, who are serious about the craft. And I think the encouraging thing is when you see the results, you want more of it. And um, and that's kind of like what our group has has uh, has done. We see the results of trusting each other, believing in each other, uh, playing as a team. You know, everybody playing their whatever Tibbs asked them to do, whatever their role is. Everybody's sticking to it. You see the results, you know, the wins and getting better. And that's what that's kind of what's driving us. Just, you know, that's rare in the NBA, like what you have and that you've been other places. It is not like that. And it's it's. Um, Having having been in places and been part of seasons where there isn't that connection and there isn't that synergy with a head coach and with a roster, um, what does that feel like at this point in your career to find this and have a season that you know you 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 probably don't take for granted given how things have gone until now? Yeah, I definitely don't take it for granted, and honestly, man, it's uh it's an amazing feeling, bro. Like. When I say I'm really having the most fun in my career I've had, uh, I really mean it, man. It's a hell of a time because, uh, you know, seasons pass, you go into games and you really don't know what to expect. Uh, when you're not on great teams, you don't know if you're going to win. You don't know if it's going to be hot or cold. Like, uh, you know, especially when there's not really a culture established. And uh, for us, Tibbs has done a great job of immediately – you know, coming in and establishing a culture of how we're going to do things on a night to night basis, um, how we're going to play, um, you know, what we stand for as a team and guys from top to bottom, I don't care who it is, uh, have bought in. Um, we didn't make any trades during trade deadline because, you know, when we look at our team, you know, you, you have to buy in and be about what we are about as a team. And, uh, if it didn't fit, it didn't make sense. You know what I mean? There's no point of, of, of messing up what we're doing. And that just says a lot about, you know, the guys at the top believing in us as a unit and believing in us as a team. So uh, it's rare. And uh, I'm definitely not taking it for granted. I cherish it. And uh, I just want to keep building upon it. Would you look forward to getting a crack at like a, a, an inner New York playoff series, a, ne- a, a Nets-Knicks playoff series? You're, you're laughing there. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine how crazy the uh, the city would go. How, yeah, it'd be it'll be it'll be unreal. That's a hell of a team over there, but it'll be unreal. You've got another year left on your contract. You signed a three year deal. Uh, there's an option on next year's deal uh, that uh, that I imagine the Knicks will probably pick up. Um, <laughs> uh, do you envision a future where this is it for you? I mean, like when you think about finding a place to call home and an organization in your mind, do you just imagine one way or another that's going to continue to be New York? Yeah, man, you don't, you know, things in this league change all the time. Uh, Obviously, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed. Uh, But when I signed two years ago, that was my thinking. Um, you know, I wanted to build something from the ground up. I want to be a part of building something from the ground up, not myself specifically. You want to build something from the ground up, but I want to be a part of a team, an organization of building something from the ground up. Um, there's no better place than New York, I felt, to do it. No organization or fan base that's hungrier, uh, more for, for a championship, for a championship caliber team than here in New York. And uh, for me, I wanted to be a part of that. And, uh, 
you know, honestly, for the rest of my career, that's really what I wanted to be, uh, be a part. I wanted to be a Nick. Um, I wanted to be one of the one of the greats here or whatever it is like that's that was my thinking going into it. So, um, you know, hopefully I can continue to uh, be a part of that. Hopefully, you know, keep building here and, and you know, in the years in the future, bring a bring championship or, or championships to here, because uh, honestly, I don't think it would be any better place to win than here. When you when you got your number thirty jersey coming to the Knicks, did, did you know right away that Bernard King had worn thirty here? Was that or did you? I didn't know right away, but they yeah. told me uh, pretty quickly. I think it was a Michael Rappaport or somebody said something pretty fast. <laughs> but there's, I mean, it wasn't retired in respect to Bernard King, like he's a legend. But I wasn't changing my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. The number's in honor of my mom, so I really wasn't changing it. Uh, when you start to hear though your name in, like, you know, Wednesday, first Nick to record multiple forty, you know, forty point ten rebound, five assist game in a five assist game in a season since Bernard King in eighty four eighty five. When you start to hear your name with players like that and what you're doing, I mean, I think now there's like four guys in the league averaging twenty ten and five. You know, Giannis, Jokic. Russell Westbrook and you. Um, what do you think when you start to see your name and what you're doing in context with players like that, MVP players, Hall of Fame players? Yeah, it's an honor. Um, those guys have all accomplished a lot, and uh, I have the utmost respect for them. So uh, to be mentioned, you know, in that, that same category or group or whatever it is, however you're mentioned in it, um, it's not something I take for granted. And I'm just appreciative of it. Um, you know, for me, it's all a part of the journey, uh, the long nights, uh, the early mornings, uh, the working when you don't feel like working. Um, you know, that's that's what it's for. You know, you see all those things come full circle. So uh, to be mentioned with grace like that is, is obviously amazing. And for me, it's just it's fuel, man. Like, uh, you know, as much as failure is fuel, so is success for me. Uh, because I want more. I want to be better. I want to keep improving. So for me, it's it's just more motivation. Julius, I remember having lunch with you in maybe like Playa Vista. Yep. Um, yeah, early. I think it was after, it might have been after your first year. You'd, you'd had the fractured leg. You'd played one, you know, one game. Mm-hmm. And, and you're coming back. And we were talking about Kobe at that time. And you were getting ready for Kobe's farewell season. And mm-hmm. what you were taking from him at that time. And I don't think people realize that last year, Julius, did he even practice with you? I mean, how many, <laughs> how many times, how many times did Kobe practice with you that year? Oh, man. Three, four, five. Uh, he, he did training camp. We get a couple training camp practices. Um, that might've been it that I remember. That might've been it. <laughs> he had nothing in the tank left, man. <laughs> he had nothing left. <laughs> how much, on a daily basis, anybody who's been around Kobe and spent time with Kobe, there are certain things that happen or you think back to um, with him that because he just leaves that impression on you. When do you think about him or what are the moments? And first of all, I he loved playing in the garden like he would love watching what you're doing in New York. He dreamed he there was a part of him that would have loved to have done that for the Knicks, too, as much as he loved being a Laker, I know that. Yeah, man. Um, honestly, I think about him every day. Uh, 
You know, and it's crazy that you mentioned that because um, I was talking to one of my teammates yesterday, and he was like, bro, Cole probably would have came to the game here. And I'm like, yeah, he probably would have. And then um, I was talking to my wife yesterday about it, and I was like, man, just uh, it's just kind of surreal because, you know, uh, just the journey throughout my career and, and how everything's going right now, um, you know, for me, I know um, – just the relationship that I have with him, you know, he will be proud, but, uh, yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough because, um, you know, I would love for him to be able to see it, you know, uh, for me personally, I would love to be able to see it. I love to be able just to, uh, even throughout the course of last season, uh, the ups and downs and throughout this season, just be able to pick up the phone, text or call him and, you know, get advice or just talk or whatever it is, man. So, um, you know, you take those things for granted a little bit. Um, and for me, you know, I, I, I think about it all the time. I, I literally think about them every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, – and I know he he was a big fan of yours. I remember talking to him about you in that last year, and he 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 believed there was a lot ahead for you, and, and he was certainly right about that. But uh, Julius, all-star appearance this year – on your way toward perhaps all NBA, you're going to be you're going to be getting MVP votes, and I think most importantly for you, you're going to have the Knicks back into the playoffs. This was a lot of fun, Julius. I'm glad we got to to catch up, and uh, good luck in this last sprint of the regular season. And 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 maybe I'll see you at that Nets Knicks second round <laughs> game in uh, battle in Barclays and and at the Garden. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Willis. Thanks for having me, woman. Thank you, Julius. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, New York Knicks all-star forward, Julius Randle. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe and his pod and The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.